Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Alan Delisle. Welcome to Delivering Perfect Parts Faster. Right from within the walls here at Phillips Precision, a manufacturing laboratory located in Boylston, Massachusetts, home of the Mighty Bite Pitbull Clamp, Inspection Arsenal, Laser Arsenal, and the M5 Edge Finder. Head on over and connect with us on LinkedIn, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and check us out at www.phillips-precision.com for guest info, company info, all of our product lines, as well as videos and demonstrations. Join us as we sit down with industry experts to discuss new technology, equipment, and process improvements to help the manufacturing community deliver perfect parts faster. Thanks for checking us out, and we hope that you enjoy today's show. Today we're sitting down with John Ribick, the president of Remco Products, and Mark Lightbody, who's an applications engineer at Mighty Byte. If you remember last month, we spoke with Mitchell Kirby and Brian Butler about turning work holding on the shop floor, and following suit, John and Mark are both in the business of milling work holding on the shop floor. And also with us today is our very own Steve Phillips, president, inventor, and the founding father over here at Phillips Precision. So let's get started. Uh, John, you want to introduce yourself to the world? Let us know who you are, what you do, and what you're all about. Uh, good morning, Alan. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, my name is John Ribick from Rimico Products. We're in Cleveland, Ohio, and we have uh, a CNC machine shop that specializes in aerospace parts. And we also have a uh, fork holding products division that specializes in quick change mounting systems uh, for vertical machining centers and five axis machining centers. Awesome. Awesome. Mark, how are you doing today? Good. Good morning. Good morning. Great having you on. So I'm Mark Lightbody. I'm one of the applications engineers here at Mighty Bike Products. Um, we are a work holding company. We make a bunch of different clamps for uh, the CNC machining industry. Right on. Right on. Um, so I, I guess I start off by saying I'm Steve Phillips, <laughs> I'm president of uh, Phillips Precision. Uh, my job is um, basically what isn't my job. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's what happens when you're a job shop. You know, you're, you're, you're responsible for, uh, you know, looking at work, coding work, programming work, um, fixturing, um, you know, uh, coming up with uh, new ideas, new products, you know, pretty much and, and emptying waste baskets at times. I mean, we do, we, <laughs> we're, we're responsible for everything, right? Yeah, well, I want to say thanks for coming on the show, everybody. Um, so, John, um, I know you do your work holding, plus you have a job shop internally. Um, but, you know, what's in the, the big picture? What kind of separates you? Uh, within our shop, we've worked on standardizing our processes. So um, we have the same machines throughout the shop. Uh, we, we have the same. We built this work holding mounting system uh, about 25 years ago, and we built our processes around uh, making fixtures for every job and then being able to mount those on and off of our machines uh, very efficiently, less than 10 seconds, and uh, being able to run those jobs on any of our machines. So we have our mounting system and we, you know, we build the tooling for each job. And so we can, you know, one month we need to run a specific job on, uh, we got an opening on M1, we'll run it there. But then 
three months later when we have to run it again, we can run the same job on M4 and it, it doesn't make any difference. So just trying to standardize throughout the shop. And then when we, you know, now that we, we built these processes and we see uh, how well they work, we're working on uh, building our products division, the quick clamp and the mounting device so that like you guys, that we can have a revenue stream coming in from a products division and have continue to maintain our CNC machine shop mm -hmm. just to diversify that. All right. That's what you've been working on these days of building that product line business. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mark, what's going on with you guys? You got any new projects happening? What's happening over at Mighty Bite? Yeah, there's always new projects going <laughs> on here. We're always trying to, you know, innovate and come up with the next next best thing, the next way of, you know, holding your part with more clamping force or lower profile or just fit more parts on a table. So mm -hmm. uh, we got a couple new products coming out here in 2020 that we're, you know, excited to announce and a couple products that just came out last year that we're still trying to, you know, push and the broadness of our products uh, we have you know we're holding products for almost uh, you know every part you can think of in one way or another um, you know a lot of different product lines to go with it so instead of just having you know one clamp that we're trying to push we have you know clamps for id work holding clamps for real profile work holding um, and you know there are a lot of other companies out there also make you know similar products but having you know everything in the same house um, having engineers here on staff to kind of help our customers and point them in the right direction um, and help them with product knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, you know, what's pushing us ahead of the others. Sure. You, put, you build custom custom fixtures and stuff like that too? We do do some turnkey applications for our customers. Um, however, you know, most of our sales go to, you know, just selling our clamps to people who want to build the fixtures themselves. Gotcha. 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 John, do you guys do custom, any custom designs for your quick clamp or anything like that? Or does that not include the top tooling? That's just the. Yes. Is that just the yeah, we, part I mean, of it? Our, our main system is the mounting device, the quick change mounting device. But we also get into, yeah. since we build fixtures for our own shop, we get into uh, taking our customers' drawings and either giving them some uh, free advice on how to fixture something or we can build a fixture mm -hmm. for them. We use Mighty Bites in our own shop on a lot of our processes um, because they make things so much easier. Back 15, 20 years ago, we would have to build all those little components ourselves. Now we've got a cabinet full of them and our programmers and process engineers can just you know, design their fixtures with, uh, with the Mighty Bites and probably 60, 65% of our uh, fixtures. So anybody that's already doing that, they they understand uh, the advantages of building fixtures and building some custom work holding for, for any other processes. And I just want to say, uh, anybody listening out there that might not be aware, Steve Phillips, who is sitting in with us, our president here at Phillips Precision, he is the inventor of the Mighty by Pitbull clamp. Um, just want to throw that out there. Um, Steve, go ahead. I think we've we've kind of looked at our own shop, and um, <clears throat> you know, one of the one of the biggest uh, ways that we can improve is, uh, and I think if you look at most shops, is is the, the changeover absolutely huge. So, uh, you know, as far as the machining time these days, I mean, with all the new uh, machining pass, high speed, you know, tricoidal milling and all that, the parts are not in the machine all that long, but it's the changeover that really um, leaves a lot of fruit hanging on the tree. 
So if you can get the parts machined and, you know, switch over to the next job and get that spindle making ships again, that's where the rubber meets the road and a lot of improvement that can be made right there. Yeah, I think and in our own shop, changeover is actually, I mean, probably in every shop, the biggest bottleneck there is. We could push so much more work throughout the through the shop if we could get those changeovers to minutes instead of hours. So, uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're starting with with our the fixtures and the uh, the quick clamp so that on repeat jobs, we can uh, mount a fixture and qualify it in less than a minute. Then from there on, it's, you know, just about having effectively trained uh, employees and having effective processes for inspecting the part and getting it up and moving uh, as quickly as possible. So I think where Mighty Bite really shines on, you know, products like this is being able to fit more products on the table at a time, right? So instead of doing two parts in a vice um, where you constantly have an operator standing there, you know, loosening a vice, putting a part in, starting the next op, you can now fit 50 parts on your table with a fixture plate um, and maybe some quick change pallet system. Um, and then, you know, your oper- your runtime is now increased almost 50 times and your operator can now walk away and also run, you know, two or three machines throughout the day instead of being tied to that one machine all day long. Right on. I find that the vices are, are becoming less and less appealing every year. In fact, we just purchased two brand new machines. One of them is a, a five-axis machine. We probably won't be using standard vices, uh, and if we do, they'll be uh, they'll be on based on a quick change system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like the changeover is very important. So that with that changeover, the accuracy needs to be important too, right? So, are there any? What are the factors that go into developing these solutions and making sure that our quick changeovers are also accurate and repeatable every time yeah for us like uh repeatability is super important so we have to be able to um one of the nice things about uh using the fixtures and the the quick clamp is that we can take uh take a fixture out take it to a comparator take it to a cmm check it in the fixture bring it back over to the machine and continue to machine because when you got repeatability of just a couple tens um you can you can do things like that. Uh, yeah. And taking it out of that fixture would compromise any, you know, integrity of the, of the, of the process for checking inspection. Right. Sure. Trying to relocate it, reindicate it and would just be mm-hmm. really time consuming. Right. Right. What are the most important factors actually, when it comes to developing a new solution? Like what are the, what are the things that if, if a customer came to you and said, we need your help making this, you know, better, what are the things that you look into first? How do you how do you start from square one and move to square two? Yeah, so the way we work with our customers a lot of times through email, they'll reach out to us. We got a uh, you know a general email address that goes to all of us engineers. So we can kind of deal with them that way. Um, I like to personally see their CAD files. Um, if they have a file they can share with us, um, and then, you know knowing their material and their stock size and everything, else, starting right from the beginning of how this part's going to be made. Um, and then going through their operations, what machine they're using, how many uh, parts they're planning on making per day or per year, um, and then just kind of getting a general feel of how much they're willing to invest in a fixture and how much a fixture will help them, of course, how many parts they want to hold and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Yeah, whatever the ROI will be on it. Right. What about you, John? Is there any special uh, factors or indications or anything like that that you go on? For, for us, it's about keeping it as simple as possible. Something that's you can train people on very simple um, 
you know, in today's world, it's it's hard to find qualified machinists. Um, so you got to have processes that you can have people come in, you can train them. Uh, it's got to be standardized so that uh, they can run it on different machines. They can run it on different shifts. But, so that's like like the fixture I showed you. Very simple idea, but um, by using fixtures and quick change system, you can get parts in and out, keep the machine, keep the spindle running. Uh, and you can do that without having a setup person running the job. So I'm going to say I think that the, the whole idea of simplifying the setup and making you know, quick change, things like that, more so than just from a profitability standpoint and from being able to, to increase your throughput is also important for the future of manufacturing for the industry because we have more and more qualified, experienced, older machinists that are ready to retire, move out of the industry. We have less and less qualified young people coming in that have the experience, that have the exposure so they're, they're not going to be able to come into something now and be able to pick up where a guy that's been doing it 30 years left off unless it's a, unless it's a simple, simple process where they can come in and they can start from this, you know, ground zero is now where ground 30, you know, was five years ago. So they can come in. It becomes easier for a regular operator to be able to run these parts create and, and effectively and efficiently. Uh, make these parts and keep up with the demand that this company may be seeing at this point. Um, and, and they don't have to have 30 years of experience to get to this point. That's to me, that's the most important thing in keeping the, uh, the industry moving. Cause if we don't have people to make the parts, then what do we do? I agree completely. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that uh, we've found over the recent years is um, the pellet pool horizontals. We're, we're relatively new to the horizontal world and we're very new to a, a pallet pool system. And uh, man, I'll tell you, I'm sold. <laughs> I I can I, I definitely you know looking back, I, I almost wish we'd have bought um, bought into the pallet pool system a while ago. Although it's a it's a big nut. <laughs> I mean, you know, to even break into that world, you're talking you know minimum three hundred thousand dollars for a machine. Then you got to tool it up. You know, we just purchased a seven pallet pool machine uh, last year, and um, it's incredible. You know, especially when you have uh, a large tool carousel where you can you can store tools in that machine where where we share a lot of those tools through you know multiple jobs so when we when we program new jobs we already know what's what's in the machine for, for tooling you know and, and we've got tombstones that are that are in the machine we've got vice towers that are in the machine we've got uh all kinds of funky angle plates and and uh, stuff that's in the machine so when jobs come in we just we just call up a pallet, call up the program, and and we're machining parts within within minutes. So it's it's really impressive. So I'm I'm hoping to to get more of those types of machines in the shop over the coming years. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you know buying a new machine there, and I come across customers all the time. You think about buying a new machine, you think about tooling, you think about the machine itself, and the space you need, and the facility you need in order to run that, and maybe even you're thinking about the operators you need to run that, but all too often people kind of forget about the work holding side of things. They'll get in, they'll get a job and then everything's up and running, but they don't have a way to actually hold their part in the machine yet. So that's kind of a step that gets forgotten too much, um, in my opinion, and come to us in sort of a rush trying to figure out what, what's the next step and what they need to do there. All right. Well, just to give you a little insight there. So that machine that we bought, that, that seven pallet pool machine, we bought that 
for one particular job. And um, uh, we were told if you, if you can't keep up with the parts that were with the deliveries, then they're going to have to pull the plug and send it someplace else. Uh, so that's why we get the, the seven pallet full machine. And, and so that initially we bought tombstones, we bought all the, all the, um, the work holding components. So we, we ended up with the uh, mighty bite uniforce clamps. And of course the, the, uh, the pit bull clamps, and uh, which was kind of weird buying buying clamps from <laughs> from Mighty Bite, you know, after having made uh, tons of them. But uh, but they, they worked out great, and the Uniforce worked out great. Again, we had seven tombstones running. Uh, we had them running day and night. Each pallet would would have sixteen finished um, manifolds that would come off for our customers, and um, uh, it worked it worked awesome. Well, unfortunately. COVID happened and, um, you know, kind of put the kibosh to that job. But because the, because of the, that, that type of machine and what, and what it's meant for, uh, we, were, we were very quickly and easily able to switch gears and, and use it for multiple jobs. So we looked at uh, some of the jobs that are, that are internal that, um, that repeat anywhere from, you know, 50 to 100 pieces that, that makes sense to spend money on, on uh, you know, fixturing and, and stuff and, and uh, a lot of times with the dedicated tooling that's already in the machine, we might have to put one or two new tools in the machine and get jobs moving uh, very quickly and efficiently. So That's worked out really well. Yeah. Yeah. So what exactly goes into, you know, when you're looking at a part and you have the model and you know what, you know, you're, you're ready to start making these, you know, these first passes, the first cuts on the raw material, what goes into figuring out, what that process is going to be, what that tool path is going to be, you know, what that program is going to be, what's the most efficient method. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, into figuring out how you're going to hold it. You know I mean? It's much different than metrology where my mind is usually at, because now you're talking about holding something very tight in a certain position in a certain way uh, so that you can cut part, you know, cut material off of it rather than just come and poke it with a probe. Yeah, Alan, I'd like to I'd like to take the first crack at that one. Um, so, and I'm sure maybe you guys can can agree with this. Uh, do you ever do you ever play that 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 game name name that tune? <laughs> you know, name I can name that tune in three notes or whatever, right? So you can I can make that part in one setup or whatever. So it's all about it's all about tool access, right? I want to be able to you have to look at the tolerances off. Obviously, you have to look at all right, how many features can I get in one in one setup? You know, and and um, so that's that's kind of how, how we look look at it, and and so you want to take the, you know, the side of the part that has the least amount of fixture uh, features, and and um, and leave that for last, and uh, but then again you also have you also have um, you know stresses in the material and stuff like that. So sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to you know spend more time roughing and, and getting rid of material, uh, so that you can go back and finish certain features. What what do you do, Mark? What what do you look? You know, talk nerdy to me about all this stuff. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm so just... uh, you know, the, the process, as uh, Steve was saying there, you got to think about you know your tolerances and what surfaces are tolerance to what other surfaces, where your references are, um, what things are you know sort of best machined all in one op, um, so that they all sort of match up with the same tooling, and then what met surfaces you know you can flip your part and get to the other side. Maybe not don't matter as much relative to each other. You know, it's something uh, when it comes to the, the work holding side of things, like some low profile work holding with you know uh, pit bull clamps and talon grips, or um, so other clamps out there where you can hold on as little as sixty thou material on the bottom of your part. You're still being able to you know access 
almost entirely um, those five sides of your part in one operation. Of course, it's going to depend on sort of the machine you're using. Uh, if you have a horizontal, you have that fourth axis, so you can reach three sides of your parts really well, um, or even fifth axis work, only you can get to almost everything. Thinking about you now how everything needs to relate to each other, um, what you can hold on, and uh, sort of what your strongest points are going to be. Um, to work to the advantages of some of our clamps. Um, you know, our pitbull clamps are some of the strongest clamps in the industry. So if I can sort of get away with using those in an off one, where there's going to be a lot of roughing and a lot of tool forces on your part, um, I'm going to play into that more, even if it means sort of down the road, we may have to compromise with a few other operations just because pitbull clamps are, are great for low profile work only they have a great holding force, but they may leave a mark on your part. So they're not necessarily a clamp that you want to use on a finished surface. So thinking about, you know, each clamp we have, the benefits and the drawbacks to each one, because nothing's perfect in this industry and sort of from there and to get, you know, the best workflow um, mm -hmm. for that part and for your customer. John, you have anything to add? Yeah, our, our, our goal is always, when possible, to finish a part in one operation, in one milling operation. So we'll take, uh, we'll take any, any part and we'll look at how do we machine the first half of it in, in an OP10 fixture and then the second half in an OP20 fixture. So we're thinking we want to keep the cycle times pretty similar so that, um, for one, it's going to help us on our uh, setup time by having the fixtures, but our operator is also going to be able to load the OP20 fixture while the OP10 fixture's in the machine running. So uh, it's real efficient. So when the machine stops, you only got about a 10 second changeover. Uh, and then also, since we have a finished part, our CMM, we can check the entire part uh, in, at that point. And, you know, it helps streamline the scheduling process. We don't have to schedule multiple machines for one job. We just schedule one mill and, um, you know, helps with quality and uh and if a customer needs five parts right away you get you know you're going to have five finished parts you can ship them five parts and then continue on with production so it all works out uh pretty well we use uh you know like custom fixtures i was talking about we use the mighty bites work into our fixtures on 60 percent of our, our processes so so john i am curious your thoughts on this you say you have a pallet for your op 10 and then outside of the machine you have a pallet for your op right. 20 operation yeah. if you could get multiple parts on the same fixture a lot of times i'll recommend that our customers make the same pallet so op 10 and 20 right next to each other on the same fixture so that way when you go and make multiple pallets for your quick changeover and everything all your pallets are identical um, so it doesn't really matter what pallet goes in the machine first and uh, it kind of simplifies the process in my opinion but yeah i'm curious no definitely so we we stay a little simpler we we're not putting too many parts onto our fixtures we're usually only doing one and that is really again for setups our process is we have to check every part at the first piece that we make and if one was uh off if we got 20 parts on it we'd have to check 20 parts um so we've we've kept it simple because tool change times have improved so dramatically since i started in the business um and what we want is op 10 running in the machine while op 20 gets loaded the material gets loaded into the fixture outside the machine. So if anything needs to be deburred on that part to go into the fixture, all that can be done. Say it's a, a 15 minute cycle. So he's, the operator should have about seven minutes. They can deburr that part. They can make some inspection. They can check some uh, dimensions on it. 
uh, loaded into the fixture than when the machine stops. It's it's very similar to what a tombstone or a horizontal pallet system is doing. You know, you're just loading that so the machine's always it's always running. Uh, and then to your point, we make our fixtures on our CNC, so we can make ten op ten fixtures and ten op twenty fixtures. And then you can get into the automation, the robotics. You can line up 20 fixtures into a cabinet. That's definitely where I see things going mm -hmm. in the future, just continuing to do things like that. Yeah, John, I've seen some robotic stuff on your website, some videos and stuff that on your website and YouTube channel I thought was really cool. Um, yeah, what are you have anything more coming down the line on that? Any more new robotic uh, applications and or anything coming up? Yeah, uh, we use a universal robot in our, and we're still, you know, in the process of trying to make the optimal process uh, with with the robotics. But all we have to do on our on our fixtures and any of the fixtures that we build is uh, put two tapered holes. We have a uh, a gripper that's got two tapered pins on it, so then the robot can pick up the fixtures. We've got a solenoid valve; it locks into the uh, the quick clamp uh, encode, locks and unlocks mm -hmm. it. Uh, the, the trick to automation is creating a process that can be run unattended. That's more tricky than automating a process. So you need to have a process that um, you don't need an operator there to check a tool. You don't need an operator there to, to burr the part while it's in process. Blow off chips. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Blow off chips. You know, that's, we've gotten used to having operators that are there by the machine that can check things. So you got to think, completely outside of that if you've got a process that doesn't need someone there it's it you can um automate it in 15 minutes it's it's very very simple mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. what do you got going on with uh robotics mark anything cool you doing any robotic applications not as much as i'd like to yeah um, the nerd in me I, I love you know messing around with robots and stuff like that trying to get all that stuff and the automated systems yeah uh, we make you know probably about 90% of our product here in-house um, downstairs. Um, we're looking to get into more automated systems there. Um, as far as our customer base goes, um, a lot of our clamps are actuated by a screw. So you, you tighten the screw down. You go mm -hmm. from there. I have had a lot more customers, you know, more recently, more asking about, you know, hydraulic and pneumatic ways of clamping stuff. Um, something where an operator doesn't have to stand there and where you actually get more repeatable holding force or more repeatable grip on your part. So, uh, you know, a lot of our clamps can kind of work into that market as well. Um, however, we don't, you know, personally make any hydraulic pneumatic actually. All right. So, yeah. yeah, I understand. Steve, you have anything to add? Uh, no, not, not really other than, you know, we, we, um, we did have, I mean, you are robot in our, uh, inspection lab and um, we came up with kind of a, a custom lug that worked really well with some fingers that we made for for that robot I, I definitely see that as a as a, a great um, uh, tool for for the future that's for sure yeah I really like the universal robots I like how easy and simple they are to program yeah. you know you're talking uh, safe yeah very safe you know it bumps into something and it just stops and uh, the, you're programming it with just by stacking information on that little touchpad, you know, and it's amazing, amazingly simple. Yeah, I agree. They, I think the universal robot's a game changer. That's now you can just take your robot and just put it right mm -hmm. next to your operators. You know, yeah. that's what we do. We don't have to cage off any area. And it is very simple to 
uh, you do write one program, I mean, they're just picking up a fixture and the fixture yep. is going to be the same every time. So uh, it's really, like I said, you could probably have a process automated in 15 minutes, as long as your process can be automated. Or ready for it, yeah. That automation. That's pretty cool. Do you guys see, you know, whether it be pre-COVID, going into COVID or in the middle of COVID, do you see us kind of coming out of it? What do you guys... I mean, you don't have to talk about COVID at all if you don't want to, but just kind of wondering what your insights are, what you guys think the the state of the uh, kind of what the state of the industry looks like. I I, I see still and through this whole thing pockets of strength. Uh, you know, like our aerospace business is down significantly, and and most are in the same boat. There's not much we can do about that right now, and people are uh, I think customers, uh, prospective customers are holding on to cash. I think a lot of people are just holding on to cash. A little worried about making investments but as things turn around i, I see that uh, being deployed and and i see that the learning experience of covid is that people realize um, the need for efficiency the need for standardizing and simplifying hopefully for us that's gonna help quick clamp sales is more people just see the, yeah they the, kind of the see the light to being lean and yeah efficient. we're definitely sure. seeing that Sure. Also, um, yeah, our sales did dip a little bit right at the beginning of COVID because everyone's kind of scared of what was happening, didn't really know it. But um, as far as they are right now, we're way above average actually um, for this time. So, you know, even though some parts of the industry are dying down, like the aerospace industry, you know, the medical side of things is picking right back up, as well as having time now, like, oh, we can make this process more lean and, and try to invest in things, make things run more efficiently. And, sure. And I think maybe even like, trying to figure out how to continue with demand, maybe with a skeleton crew, because you don't have as many employees in the building at one time or as much hustle and bustle coming in and out of them in, in and out of your facility. So you're thinking of the better ways to make parts in under the, under these new conditions. So it's kind of like, I feel like maybe at the beginning, everybody was looking for a new way, better way to make it. And then it kind of died off a little because everybody had figured out their better way. And then now we're just kind of growing. And I think the same thing goes for um, even for technology. You know, in sales and marketing, in my world, I was using Zoom and videos and all these types of things, and nobody else really was. Some people were a little at a time, but I think once COVID came, we were forced to use it. Now everybody's saying, oh, wow, there's you know, we have to use this new technology. We have to use this stuff in order to be in touch with people. And uh, it, it's kind of, it was kind of a forced, a forced change that I don't think is going to go away now. I think everybody's going to continue riding down the same wave. John, like what? How does a customer know, you know, I mean, I know at this point because we have COVID, but even still, what's the best indicator for a customer to realize it's time to call you? It's time to go with a better way. It's time to time to make this process better. Is it when they're pulling their hair out or when they're. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that they realize when they keep doing the same thing and getting yeah. expecting a different <laughs> result, you know, uh, so they start to realize, OK, I, I have I have to work with what I have this is my company today it's not the same as it was 30 years ago i may not have the same uh level of machinist so i need to create processes that are that i can train somebody quickly i can get them up on a machine they can run parts uh, i've got my qualified people but my qualified people have to do more they have we need them to do more and they also need to be thinking uh I'm, i see five axis becoming more popular and I want to start building towards five axis machining and I see automation. Uh, maybe it's not this year or next year, but I see it five years or 10 years from now and I need to start building 
my processes so that they can be automated if possible. Yeah, one of the biggest challenges right now is to is to keep your health. You know, I mean, uh, you know, especially if you if you're experiencing a slowdown, you don't want to. You definitely want to make sure you you hold on to your your key players and talent. Yeah, and having qualified people in the industry is hard enough as it is. And, you know, if we lose any of them, it's Im Im almost impossible to find somebody to replace that person. You know, at this point, sure. COVID and the slowdown with a lot of our representatives and leaders have given us a great opportunity to utilize platforms like Zoom. Uh, we use GoToMeeting. I was actually reach out with them. They can't travel around. They have a little more time on hand, so they're more willing to do it mm -hmm. too. So we actually did you know, a bunch of training and seminars with some of our larger distributors and all of our representatives um, so that they can sort of get up to date on our products lines um, about doing what they do best um, once they can actually get back into visiting people and stuff like that. Yep, investing the time wisely into self-education. <laughs> for sure. I, I hear you. I want to say thank you so much for all you guys coming on and spending time with us today. Um, if you guys need anything from us over here, let us know. And uh, but this has been fantastic. I hope that you guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks, thanks, Alan and Steve. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks a lot, guys. You take care. Bye, guys. Bye, bye.